Welcome back to Scriptures with Mom and Terry. I'm your mom, Linda Weiniger. And today we're actually um, reading the, the required, recommended scriptures for, <laughs> for this week. So it's a shocker, I know. Okay, really quick, we're going to summarize what it is that we're going to be reading today. So... Uh, it's Philippians and Colossians, and Philippians and Colossians. While he was imprisoned, Paul sent letters to both Philippians and Colossians, and the first letter to the Philippians was a happy letter written when the congregation in Philippi sent one of the members to Paul in prison with financial gifts to support him. Paul then wrote a letter to thank the good people for their support, and he also encouraged them to continue being and warn them against false teachers. And then the letter to the Colossians was an unhappy one, written after Paul was visited in prison by a church member named Euphora, told Paul how the members of their congregation were becoming prideful because they felt they were more righteous than the others. So Paul's letter to the Colossians was a call to repentance and to refocus on Jesus Christ as a source of salvation. So that is like what it is in a nutshell. And that's what we're going to be Oops, we got cut off because grandma called. Okay. Um, okay, so this week's t learn and act evidences teaching tip part two of four is the learn part. So learn is the first part of this equation because the equation was learn plus act equals evidences. So visit last week's for part one. And... Um, why we think this is super important. Okay, so for example, we're going to teach. I have them read the description for prayer and guide to the scriptures found on the church's website. And then learn might be, I might pick up a paragraph in guide to the scriptures and have them share their favorite line. Or I might have them draw a teaching from one of the paragraphs. The idea is to give them time to and space to wrap their minds around the description and give time for the spirit to reveal truth to them and increase their understanding. So then teach, another one is I have them read a scripture about prayer. Then learn, I have them read a scripture about prayer and invite them to rewrite it in their own words or I come up with a question. Someone might ask them and ask them to answer it using the truths in that scripture. Okay, so do you see the pattern? If we're just teaching, they might not learn. So here's another example of teaching. We read a quote together about prayer. And then if we want them to learn, it's I give them the quote about prayer and give them a few minutes to read through it and mark their favorite lines or phrases. Then we talk about what they've marked and why they love them. So notice the focus on the things that will really help them increase their understanding. Other learn ideas are I find one or two inspiring stories or videos about prayer so those I am teaching can hear evidences that people experience for themselves. Write, uh, so that's one. And then another one was write prayer in the middle of a page and all around the word, write definitions, quotes, scriptures, etc. Take time to fill it up and only write down things they understand. They could also draw pictures. So the idea to focus is to focus on comprehension and allow them to really take the time to learn. Often classroom or family learning can be so fast paced. 
Okay, it seems that my one headphone decided to run out of battery right there. Okay. Because um, learning in a classroom can be really fast-paced, so the child or student does not have enough time to take it in, and the spirit has less opportunity to really increase their understanding and touch their hearts. And sometimes we rely on their church class or their seminary class, and we can't always rely on that because they don't usually have enough time either in the classroom because let's let's face it like they might get a few nuggets here and there throughout the week but they're certainly not going to get everything um because they have other classmates in there friends that might be talking and distracting them or um if they if they're doing it in church like we literally only get 20 minutes with our primary class so you know pretty sure most of those kids are just going crazy and who knows if those full 20 minutes are even used for learning versus just teaching, right? So um, so it is important to take time at home to do these things. Okay, then if they really learn, they will be far more likely to act upon what they learn and that will invite evidences into their lives. For example, if they really learn about prayer and increase their understanding, then they are more likely to act upon it and truly pray then evidences will flow into their lives. Evidences like peace, answers, miracles, understanding, clarity, direction, confidence, etc. And as those evidences come, then their testimony of prayer will increase and increase. Okay, so, so next week's teaching tip will be part three, and we're going to focus on the act part of the equation. And as far as this example, um, one of Finn's friends got up today, or today, on Sunday and shared her testimony about prayer and how she was hiking and she, well, she was hiking with friends and how it got dark on the way down and they didn't have um, any more light because the sun went down and they were wondering what they were going to do and their phone batteries were about to run out. And so she decided to stop while they were walking and asked her friends if she could say a prayer. So she decided to say a prayer that her that their batteries would last and by the time they got down she said she started with 12 percent, left her battery on the whole time and the battery did not lose a single percentage it was still 12 percent by the time she got to the car so i thought that was so cool that she shared that in her testimony on sunday and i think it is so strengthening when youth can share their testimonies with their friends and sometimes taking opportunity to just share it in a congregation helps even more people, not just the friends. So her example of praying was an, uh, she was acting on the knowledge that she had gained from prayer and then she received an evidence that the Lord was able to help her with, with what she needed at the moment that she needed it. And so therefore she has now some, like an evidence locked in there as proof that the Lord answers her prayers. Um, and I think that's awesome. So anyways, I texted her mom and was like, hey, you're doing a great job teaching, teaching your children. And I'm so glad that she was able to have the courage to share her testimony with everybody because we all needed it. So, all right. So now that we have gone through that beginning, um, we also have, now we're going to go to actually reading Philippians 1 to 4 and Colossians 1 to 4, although I could probably just leave it at the way that I gave 
give you the recap and I could start the next week and then we could almost be on time, huh? I don't know her name, sweet. I don't know their name, sweet. Okay. So some facts about Philippi. The Philippine, Philippians, <laughs> Philippians, no, they're different. <laughs> this is not the, this is not, we're not talking about the Philippines. Okay. Not from uh, the Philippines. We're talking about people from Philippi, the Philippians. Okay. The Philippians. Oh, sheesh. I'm so confused. I'm confusing myself. <laughs> okay. Anyways, uh, the Philippians lived in a place called Philippi, which was located within modern day Greece. Oh, that's where we want to go so bad. Philippi was an important city in the region and was a Roman colony at the time. The city was located directly on the main road from Rome to other countries to the east. Therefore, Philippi was a primary outpost. Paul preached the gospel in Philippi. It is here he met Lydia, the seller of purple. Um, Paul and his companions were arrested in Philippi and were freed by an earthquake, instead of escaping, they stayed and taught the prison guard who was baptized. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of hilarious. Paul began the first Christian branch in Philippi, which much with much persecution, the Christian church continued to grow and became a thriving religion there. It is to these Christian Christians Paul was writing to. And what is a Colossi? Uh, the Colossians were the inhabitants of Colossae, an ancient city in Asia Minor. It had previously been a city of significance that was wealthy and had a large population, but Colossae had dwindled in size and importance by Paul's day. Paul was writing to the Christians in Colossae who there were some false teachers there who were teaching that Jesus was not a God. In this letter, Paul will boldly teach of Jesus Christ and who he is. Okay. So I love Philippians, though, because it has one of my favorite scriptures, which is Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And that is this year's youth theme as well. So we're going to be excited when we can get there. Okay. Philippians 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus Christ which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God unto, upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being com confident of this very thing, that he will have begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So this is the second coming now he's talking about. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart in some in as much as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. So this was his like long greeting. And he was still a prisoner. Okay, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. 
and then verse 12. But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of my brethren in the Lord, waxing confident in my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I there, therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Okay, so we have a quote here from Elder M. Russell Ballard, and he gave this uh, general conference address in October 1988 and spoke of the importance of fellowshipping. He shared two stories that express the importance of noticing one another and the power that fellowshipping can have. So here's the second story that he shared. So the second story involves two sisters who live 2,000 miles from each other. Each was taught the missionary discussions by the full-time missionaries. Each felt the confirming witness of the Spirit and was baptized. Both were single adults in their early 20s. One sister attended church meetings, met the bishop, developed friendships with members who invited her into their homes. Ward members made her feel welcome and wanted. She was given a church calling immediately after her baptism, and she continued to learn and live gospel principles while associating with ward and stake members. She participated continually, serving in various ward, stake, and general church callings. In time, she married in the temple, and she maintains her standing as a member in full fellowship. Okay, so just a side note. I feel like he's talking about me, except that I was not baptized right then. I was baptized when I was eight, but it was when I was a single adult in my early 20s, or in my, in my early years there, that I decided to come back to church. So anyways, it was awesome. Okay, the other sister, having the other sister, after receiving the witness of the Spirit, never met her bishop personally. She received no visits by home teachers or visiting teachers and was given no church calling. For several weeks, she attended Sunday ward meetings, but she was mostly ignored. In due course, the missionaries who had taught her left the area, and her interest in the gospel waned. Without the support of members, she was not remembered and nourished. This is found in Moroni 6.4. Soon, she stopped attending church services, resumed her old friendships and lifestyle, and married a non-member. Today, she is a fine, productive, contributing citizen in her community and a loving, conscientious wife and mother. But she does not enjoy the rich blessings that came from full fellowship in the church. End quote. Well, that's sad. Doesn't that make you sad? I mean, it doesn't make me sad that she's a productive, contributing member of society. But it makes me sad that she's not enjoying those rich blessings that came to her when she had the opportunity. And some might say, well, it's her responsibility to act and to, um, and to take charge of her own conversion. And, you know, and, you know, she just probably didn't really want to, right? We can just do that instead of uh, putting blame on other people. But how much more joy would those who were around her be able to feel for her as she was um being part of the congregation as she was being helped as she was being helped to be part of the congregation 
right? Yeah, it is her responsibility to act. It is her responsibility to nurture her own testimony. It is her own responsibility to do those things. However, how much better is it when we can join and we can help somebody with that process of uh, salvation, with that process of coming closer to Christ? Um, the Lord promises us joy when we're able to help those uh, come unto Christ. And, and his promises are sure and true because I have felt that whenever I've fellowshiped someone who um, hasn't gone to church that much or whenever I've uh, gone to visit someone who um, was less active or whatever, the joy that they feel for me coming over does not even begin to add up to the joy that the Lord provides for me. Sometimes it's almost selfish when I'm reaching out to other people because I know how good it's going to feel for me to do it. Um, and then the bonus is, hey, if they want to come, if they want to come back to church, great. But I already got blessed for putting forth that effort uh, to you. So it's almost like if you don't want to come to church after I put forth effort, that's on you for real. But I was able to heed that prompting that I was given. And the Lord will give, will provide that joy that he promised as we minister to those around us. And so um, it is something that we can, that we can search after for ourselves. If you're ever feeling like you need a little bit more joy in your life, reach out to somebody and help them feel that the Lord loves them. They don't have to be non-members and they don't have to be inactive and they don't have to be a special project or whatever just anyone um and i promise you that the lord will bless you to feel his love for you in reaching out to somebody that he needed to reach out to so i think in the end this sister who was not ministered to by her ward members is not going to feel bad that her ward members didn't come and minister to her. She's going to get, um, in my book, she's going to get every opportunity to continue to have a relationship with Jesus Christ um, later on. And it's the ward members and her neighbors and her friends that could have, or maybe not friends, but acquaintances, that could have made a difference. And they're the ones that are going to feel bad. And they're the ones that are going to have to figure out how to forgive themselves for not reaching out to her because they could have been an instrument in the Lord's hands to bring her closer to him. And they chose not to. So, so she's not going to, she's going to be fine, right? It's, it's those who didn't act on those promptings that are going to feel bad. Okay. Um, verse 19, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, 
This is the fruit of my labor. How is that even possible? Yet what I shall choose, I won't, I want not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Okay. I understood nothing of that almost, almost nothing. Because I mean, I, I get the whole like, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ. To be with Christ is far better. Yes. Um, even though the saints in Philippi had shown great love to Paul, he still hoped that this Christ-like attribute will continue to grow in them. Yet more and more. Imagine if every word or ward or branch or class or form had this as a theme among them. For their love to grow more and more. Imagine the spirit that would exist among them and the hearts and hands that would be lifted. And Paul points out that this would bring additional fruits of righteousness to them. And that's from verse 11. Oh, I, okay. Now I can kind of get that a little bit. Um, and then verses 15 to 18, not all Christians who were sharing the gospel were well intending. <laughs> and who knows, maybe me sharing the gospel as a selfish thing is not well intending, but I want to share about what I know about Jesus Christ and help them understand his love for them because I know I'm going to feel that love back. Right. And so maybe it's a little selfish, but I think that's, that's okay. Uh, but maybe some of them weren't well intending. Maybe I know that there are some people in the church or some people who have, uh, sell things and then they try to make their church relationships uh, be like connections to sell more things to those people. And I think that's something where it, that's not well intending, you know, um, where you're just trying to be friends so that people will buy stuff from you. <laughs> so that's different. Anyway, so it says later in the epistle, Paul will speak of Jewish Christians who are trying to mingle former Jewish ways with Christianity. With Paul being in prison, these false teachers were emboldened like a child whose parents are out of the house, right, for sure, and thought they would get no interference from him. On the other hand, others who were preaching of goodwill, Paul saw Paul as one who is set for the defense of the gospel, or rather an ambassador of Christ. His imprisonment made, him, made them want to try harder and to do what Paul would want them to do. So Paul knows that this, his life is in danger. If he could decide to keep on living and preaching or to rest and be with Christ, he's torn on which he would choose, right? He, he knows that whether he lives or dies, Christ shall be magnified in his body. If he lives, it will be for Christ. But if he dies, he'll be, get to be with Christ, which is far better. But Paul immediately declares, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you, which means like, do the work that you've been called to do here on earth. And that is going to be more needful than to just meet Christ immediately. So, which of course we know he would get to. So, um, cause it is a blessing to be able to live here in mortality and experience all the things that it has for us to experience, even though a lot of the things are so hard. Okay. Verse 25. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. 
only let your conversion be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them in evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which she saw in me and now here to be in me. Okay, so live in such a way that people know that people know you. Okay, here a quote by Elder David H. Burton from General Conference, April 1994. It says, quote, live in such a way that people who know you but don't know Christ will want to know Christ because they know you, end quote. Oh, that's amazing, right? <clears throat> okay, um, and then his last bit where he said it was a small price to pay. So, quote, no other dispensation has had the gospel without any challenge, without any opposition or resistance, without persecution from the world. And to expect that we shall be without such conditions is to expect that which will never be. We do not hold membership in the church and its blessings without paying a price for it. But a scoffing, cynical remark or a scornful glance surely is a small piece, a small price to pay for the whole gospel plan, end quote. And that's from President Boyd K. Packer, Memorable Stories and Parables book, page 76. I love that. We're going to screenshot that. And it is a small price to pay. You know, and I, I don't think I ever really looked at it like uh, me being me and me following promptings to serve others and others being upset with who I am or what I'm doing as something that, like, being persecuted for uh, the gospel. I never connected those two and or being persecuted or, like, hated or whatever, um, but because I love Jesus Christ. And I think that once I realized that, um, I, I remember either it was like this quote or like something similar. Um, but when I finally realized like, hey, they're not mad at me for being me. They're mad at themselves uh, for not following through on their promptings and for not doing those things that they've been prompted to do, but they're taking it out on me because I'm actually acting on my promptings or uh, doing those things that require a little bit more effort or whatever uh, because of Jesus Christ. I know that I can do those things. And so um, I, didn't, I didn't think of it as being persecuted for loving Jesus Christ. But then when I kind of put that together, it really helped me to understand, okay, it's them and it's not me, but I'm going to be, I need to expect to receive all the things that Christ received. Like he was betrayed by his friends too. And so that kind of helped me understand and helped me have a little bit more compassion to my, to those people who I called my friends who were not acting like friends, you know? Okay. Uh, Philippians chapter two, if there be therefore any consolation or comfort in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy 
that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and to look upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name. And this is, they're talking about Christ and how he is the ultimate example. Okay, verse 10, that at the, t at the name of Jesus, every knee should, should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to, to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Oh, yes. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Meaning like when you have been prompted to do something, do it without a murmur and without disputing. <laughs> that ye may be blameless and harmless, the Son of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Okay, and then, let's see, uh, that's verse 15 that we finished reading. Okay, and then, um, so he's basically telling us to go through every effort to seek unity. And President Russell M. Nelson, in 1989 General Conference, he said, such high mutual regard would then let us respectfully disagree without being disagreeable. Okay, and Jesus Christ is the perfect example of lifting and loving and esteeming others. Paul points out the many ways that he did not hold up his personal comforts and advancement over the needs of others. And because of this, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. And eventually every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Satan seeks to cause division rather than unity and spreads the lie that self-interest is what will lead to success and that to become great, we must focus on ourselves and our own advancement. But in truth, Jesus has shown us what the power of love and selflessness can achieve. And I want to play that song. The song is called What a Beautiful Name. And a lot of people, you know, do like remake that song or cover that song or sing that song, but, whew, excuse me, but the one that I really like is Hill, by Hillsong Worship. That one's really cool. Okay, we're going to pause there. We're on verse 15, and we're on page, well, actually, we're now on verse 16, and we're on page 3. Okay, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. 
for the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Okay, so um, some people use the phrase work out your own salvation to support the idea. This is from Philippians chapter uh, 12, verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 12, to support the idea that we are saved only by our own efforts. Others use Paul's teaching, by grace are ye saved through faith, to claim that no works are required for salvation. However, the scriptures, including the writings of Paul, clearly teach the need for both the grace of Jesus Christ and personal effort in order to receive salvation. And even in our best efforts to work out our salvation, it is God which worketh in you. Um, okay, that's uh, end quote, I guess. And that was from the Bible Dictionary on grace. Okay. So, just Paul is exhorting the saints to work out their salvation. Um, and that's where, you know, that came from. And then verses 13 to 18 explains that salvation is reachable for each of us since God is working in us. The Greek word used for worketh means worketh effectually, which means that it is capable of producing the intended effect. Um, or in other words, God is capable of leading us to eternal life. As God worketh salvation in us, he raises our sights and improves our character and then... We can act with every Christian virtue, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the world, the word of life. The imagery of someone holding forth the word of life is such a beautiful one. As God perfects this person, they do not hide the light they are receiving. They are holding it forth, letting others who are walking in darkness know what they have and how they can have it for themselves. They are walking witnesses of the Strengthening power of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Okay, and then verses 19 to 24. Um, Paul will send Timothy to the saints in Philippi. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Tim Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort. When I know your state, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But you know the proof of him, that as a son with, their fa with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send, presently so soon, as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. So it, Paul intends to send Timothy to the saints in Philippi and make sure that they know that Timothy has Paul's approval, um, which is so cute the way that he talks about, he's like my son <laughs> in the gospel. And I think that's where like the, the whole, um, I remember when dad was telling me about missionaries and how they call each other sons and dads and everything or whatever, I think because of who taught them or who brought them uh, closer to Christ or was it because somebody was like a greenie and the other one was like older and then they took them under their wing. I don't know. It's, but I think that that's where that comes from. Um, and, but you'll have to ask dad for sure, because I am not sure. <laughs> 
I can't remember specifically if it was like because they were like your trainer, you call them dad, or if it was because they were the zone leader that you call them your dad. I don't. Um, so, anyways, it was unclear what experiences um, Ephroditus and Paul had together, but he did earn. Oh, hold on, but we don't know. You guys don't know that yet because I haven't gotten there. Huh? So we'll keep reading there. So yet I supposed it necessary to send you Ephroditus, uh, no, Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus. Wow, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered in my want, to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed, for indeed he was sick nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. So, yeah, so um, Epaphroditus became very ill, and the news of his illness reached Philippi when Epaphroditus heard of their concern. Yeah. For him, he began longing for home and the friends he had there. Therefore, Paul tells the saints to receive him with all gladness. Notice how Paul spoke about Timothy and Epaphroditus. He t did not hold back praise. What does, what does this teach about Paul? Oh, and that's, Paul was such a sweet guy. It seems always looking for positive stuff, right? President Ezra Taft Benson taught, praise your children more than you correct them. Praise them for even their smallest achievement. End quote. President Ezra Taft Benson, October 1981 General Conference. Oh, I love that. I'm all about praising small accomplishments. Um... Speaking of small, quote-unquote, accomplishments, um, Dad was able to submit his film to Sundance, and he didn't want me to tell anybody or doesn't want me to tell anybody because he doesn't think it's that huge of an accomplishment. And I'm thinking, what? Like, of course it's a huge accomplishment. Not everybody can submit a film to Sundance. And anyways, I think it's a huge accomplishment to finish a movie, have it ready, fill out all the forms and everything for you to be able to submit to Sundance. So anyways, congrats to dad on Renaissance Kid and to all of us for supporting dad and his passion project, but because it is a huge accomplishment. So everybody take a minute, give dad a hug. <laughs> um, and who knows, I might still post something up because I think it's a huge accomplishment. Okay, um, now we're on Philippians 3, 1 to 8. Okay, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you, it is safe. Verse 2, beware of dogs. <laughs> Cue the song, who let the dogs out? Okay, no, for real. Beware of evil workers. Beware of concussion. Okay, so um, he was referring to unholy men, and 
yeah, I guess who will deceive us, right? Uh, verse three, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Okay, so it's so weird because they always bring up circumcision. I'm like, honestly, let it go. But they won't. So, but they're talking about the spirit, not the flesh. Okay, guys. So verse four, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. So then we have verse five. And it's like, what is he giving up his, uh, what, sorry, what giving up his former life has brought to him, okay? So circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is the law of, which is in the law blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost. For Christ, yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and to be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made, being made com conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So he's talking about like a celestial resurrection, not as though I had already attained either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press forward to the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So here Paul is trying to outline what he has learned. And he answers with these uh, things that he's learned. Um, and he says that he counts it all things but loss so or rather for whatever good they may have brought or whatever advantage he may have had they are nothing compared to the rich blessings that came through jesus christ so paul gave his former life up and note the blessings that he has gained he lists in verse 10 he says he knows how he now knows the power importance and significance significance of Jesus Christ, Jesus's resurrection. He has to, he has suffered because of his faith in Christ and counts this as an honor. And then three, that he was comfortable unto his death, meaning that he was always ready to suffer in the name of Christ. Instead of conforming to the Jewish rites, he is becoming like Jesus Christ, even in the most threatening circumstances. And then, um, Verse 11, he says that Paul, it says Paul was willing to go to any means to receive a celestial resurrection. So it's pretty, it's pretty powerful, his testimony, right? 
Okay, verse 15. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if any thing be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, where to we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an, an sample. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself." So those are the blessings that, that await us. So Paul is challenge, challenges the Philippian saints to learn these lessons as well. And if they have not yet learned them, God has a way of revealing our faults to us. He encourages them to endure to the end and points out the great blessings that await them. Um, in the October 1973 General Conference, Elder Theodore M. Burton quoted verses 14 and 15 when he said, Quote, it is true that we each have imperfections to overcome. Life is a constant series of challenges and trials. Notwithstanding, we should never fall, fail to strive for that perfection of life, which can bring us closer into harmony with God. As the Apostle Paul said in writing to the Philippians, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as would become perfect be thus minded and if anything ye be otherwise minded god shall reveal even this unto you thus we should seek to overcome any disco discovered fault in our characters which tends to take us away from a total commitment to god end quote elder theodore m burton october 1973 general conference hmm. i love that so seek to overcome any discovered fault. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes our discovered faults um, tend, us, or tend to uh, lead us away from Jesus Christ. Or I should say, Satan tries to use those discovered faults to lead us away from Jesus Christ, saying, see, you're not perfect. See, you do this. You're not going to be able to overcome this and you're just gonna have to give up following jesus christ because he doesn't want you and now you can just live a life however you want so um sometimes that's what our what happens as we um, get closer to the light the light reveals more imperfections right but that doesn't mean that we have to turn off the light because then we will be completely lost. And so it just means that we need to work on helping or work on overcoming those, those faults and that Jesus Christ can, of course, um, help us to overcome those weaknesses of ours so that we can continue to work towards Jesus Christ and not away from him.
because he can help us with those weak things. And he says that he can help weak things become strong unto us. And so he gives us that promise, but we, he can't help us if we don't come unto him, right? In order to change a dim light bulb or a flickering light bulb, you actually have to get closer to the light source. You have to get close enough to unscrew it to be able to put a new one in or to tighten it, right? You can't just turn off the light and hope that it's gonna get better. That is never gonna happen. You actually have to get all the way super close to it, touching it and then unscrew it or and switch it out or put a new bulb in. So I actually just really like that analogy. Um, okay, then Philippians chapter four, Okay, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. <laughs> he is really liking these feet. I beseech Eudias, aka Adidas, <laughs> that's what it sounds like, and beseech Sintich, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. So I guess these are just some two other peeps. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Hey, that's in a song. Uh, Ten points for Gryffindor, if you guys can <laughs> guess what song it is. <laughs> okay, I gave you some time. Okay, the answer is Rejoice the Lord is King. Uh, hymn number 66 in the current hymn book. <laughs> Anyways, now you need to go listen to that song because it's awesome. Okay, okay, number five or verse five, let your moderation be known unto all men. Let, or the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So don't be anxious over anything. Uh, that is hard. <laughs> That's a V, Nick. That's a V. That's not an A. Flores. No, it's a V, like that. An A has an A has a cross neck, a cross by it, like right there. You could keep looking for an A, and I'll show you. Okay, um, Flores, practicing her letters. Good job. Good job, Miss. Um, okay, Paul's counsel here is full of truth that will bless any Christian saint. So let your moderation be known to all men. The translation for moderation is more appropriately translated kindliness or selflessness. A true Christian should be considerate of others in all their dealings and reasonable with all men. Um, he does not force his own interests upon others. And Paul explains that all men can have uh this opinion of you and then verse six and seven with dangers and threats lurking around every corner we all need these next words from paul he says 
be careful for nothing. <laughs> What's funny is I'm always telling people to be careful, be careful, be careful, be careful. And Paul's trying to undo that work. Like be careful for nothing. The meaning of the word careful is not the meaning we use today though. <laughs> In this context, it means to be over anxious and overthink things to be full of care in a sense it overtakes you and fills you with anxiety paul is saying to not be anxious over all that can go wrong in life well and that's also not good because you know you you definitely because because what does that mean that means fear is ruling over you right and you can't live in fear because your body will sense that 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 fear that you're living in and hold on to it and then and then your body will manifest it in a different way pain uh unhealthy you know oversleeping and things like that so anxiety is not healthy for our bodies i mean i remember when we go to the doctor when i was pregnant and the doctor would be like you just gotta relax you know so that the baby can come out and i'm like i don't know how to relax so <laughs> so that's what he is saying here he says trust in the lord trust that his hand is with you and with your family show your faith in him by using prayer and thanksgiving instead of fear and anxiety letting go of this fear will bring the peace of god which passeth all understanding Ooh, I love that. okay and then now we're on verse eight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So remember what this one is? Um, though, so, and then I'll read this verse nine, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do and the God of peace shall be with you. Okay, so you guys remember this is the 13th article of faith, right? And now we know where Joseph Smith got the inspiration to write the 13th article of faith. <laughs> um, so he invites us to fill our lives with things that are good and virtuous. And we can evaluate our lives and hold each part up to this scripture. If it passes the Philippians 4, 8 test, then it is good and worthy to influence us. If not, dispose of it. Here are some definitions for each of these words that Paul uses. These definitions come from the Strong's lexicon, which gives Hebrew and Greek translations and meanings. Okay. Um, true means unconcealed worthy of credit truthful honest means honorable or venerable deserving of honor and respect in accordance with good with god things that are reverent serious or solemn just right equitable righteous pure clean and chaste lovely pleasing acceptable that which deserves love good report admirable with reported of reputable Virtue means goodness, uprightness, excellence, strength, moral goodness, and praise, praiseworthy, something commendable. The phrase think on these things means to estimate, consider, or evaluate. Um, we use our intelligence and the spirit to consider each thing in our life, and whether they measure up to these words, we consider what fruits or effects each book, movie, social media account, activity, etc. will bring into our lives, 
And then we use our agency to say yes or no um, to what is fruitful and what you want or no. Um, you don't desire that fruit, so you will not choose this. And why did he say to think on these things? Well, everything starts in our minds. So first you think, then you, and thinking thoughts lead to actions or thoughts lead to words and words lead to actions. And so, and sometimes it just skips words and just goes straight to actions. <laughs> and so that's why he says, think on these things. Cause the more that we think things, then they will become right. So if we're thinking about candy, 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 you're going to get some candy, right? So, but if you think on apples, bananas, uh, broccoli, all these things, if you think about those things, you're more likely to have those things than the other things. Okay. Um, okay. And then, um, once when president Boyke Packer was speaking, to the youth concerning their personal music collections, he said, why not go through your collection? Get rid of the worst of it. Keep just the best of it. Be selective in what you consume and what you produce. It becomes a part of you. Ooh, that's good. Inspiring music, worthy thoughts, October 1973 General Conference. That same principle is true for every website we go to, every social media influencer we follow, and everything else in our lives. Everything we consume or participate in needs to pass the Philippians 4-8 test, for it will become a part of us. And also, if you're teaching teens, this scripture is perfect for them to use as their personal dating requirements. When on a date, all of the virtues in this scripture can be present. <laughs> all right. Um, so then we are now on verse 10 to 23. Okay. 10 to 23. Okay. So, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last, your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Oh boy. There's something to live by. <laughs> I have learned in whatsoever state I am wherewith to be content. Be content where you are with what you have. Be content and be grateful. Being grateful will help you to be more content, by the way. Okay, verse 12. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And that is my favorite scripture and it's been my favorite for a really long time. Philippians 4.13. And Sister Camille N. Johnson, April 2023. So it's very fresh, this quote um, from this year. She says, quote, brothers and sisters, I can't go at it alone. And I don't need to, and I won't. Choosing to be bound to my Savior, Jesus Christ, through the covenants I have made with God, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. End quote. And then President Dallin H. Oaks, October 2015 General Conference says, quote, And so we see that because of his atonement, the Savior has the power to succor, to help. Every mortal pain and affliction, sometimes his power heals an infirmity. But the scriptures and our experiences teach that sometimes he succors or helps by giving us the strength or patience to endure our infirmities. 
and then, end quote, President Donald H. Oaks, October 2015 General Conference. And then another quote from Paul V. Johnson. He says, not one of the trials and tribulations we face is beyond our limits because we have access to help from the Lord. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, end quote. And that's from April 2011 General Conference. Okay. So I just love the, that scripture. And it just sums everything up. You know, if you're having a hard day, boom, Christ can help you. If you're having a great day, but you need help with work or something, what? Christ can strengthen you. He can help you figure out those things that you need to figure out for life, for family, for your business, for your health, all the things. Because he strengthens us in every aspect of our life. Why? Because he has been where we are. He has experienced everything and he sacrificed himself for us to be able to experience everything. So it is, he's given us everything and we have no excuse. We are literally left with no excuses. He's, he's there to help us and he's there to strengthen us. And that's what it comes down to. And if you don't take advantage of his help, then we're the ones missing out. And that, I mean, that's what it is in a nutshell. Okay. Uh, verse 14, notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are Caesar's of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. It was written to the Philippians from Rome by Epaphroditus. Wow. Amazing. Love chapter four of Philippians. Okay. <clears throat> Actually, really quick before we finish it off. Um, go listen to the I Can Do All Things Through Christ song by Strive to Be. And it is just an amazing song. And I know the youth are going to be singing it at the end of the year here. Um, and it's just a cute song that um, is part of the youth theme CD or whatever it is called. But um, anyways, it's pretty awesome. So go listen to that. Okay, I'm going to separate uh, Philippians and Colossians because Philippians needs its own spot and we're already over an hour. So, okay, we're going to leave off at a cliffhanger. Just kidding. No, we're not. It's not a cliffhanger, Faust. <laughs> Faust loves to identify those for us. Anyways, okay. Um, love you guys. We'll see you on the next episode for Colossians. <laughs>